0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. It's a simple question. Can God save my soul? Can God save my soul? John chapter number 3, and I want to look at and answer this question. Not my opinion, not our church's opinion, but I want to answer the question from God, from God's Word, from His Uh, from his word. And so if you have a Bible tonight, go ahead and look. Uh, If you don't, steal the Bible from the person next to you. Look at theirs. Take theirs. I don't know. But look on it. It'll be up on the screen. Would you stand in respect for reading God's word? And we'll look at this together. John chapter 3. Stretch your legs. Tell your neighbor to wake up. All right. John chapter 3. And uh, we're going to look at these these verses tonight. And uh, surely we'll have enough energy to play some ball afterwards. Right? All right. John chapter 3. And verse number 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, what he's saying is of a truth, of a truth, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Verse number 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things... And you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, look at it with me. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Would you read verse 16 with me out loud? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. In this passage detailing the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, the Lord says very plainly that He came into the world to offer salvation to all men. The matter of salvation is of vital importance to every person. In other words, here's the truth today. Let's be real, okay? The truth is, every one of us is going to die one day. I don't mean to be morbid. I don't mean to focus on the negative. But I don't want to ignore the truth. The truth is that all of us are going to have to face death. The truth is, is that we have to deal with what happens when we die. Let me submit something to you. You cannot deal with it when it happens. It's too late then. The Bible says that now is the day of salvation, that Jesus is coming to the world to save sinners. Christians sometimes forget, but Jesus used this word saved, and sometimes we think that everybody understands what that word means. Well, Jesus was saying saved, saved from what? He's talking about, he said, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You're talking about perishing. I mean, I know we're going to face physical death, but there's something that's worse than physical death. We all know that we're more than our body. That when the body dies, it goes in the ground, but we live on. There's something deeper, more spiritual about us than just the physical body. So while we see each other on the outside, we have a soul. And that soul lives for all of eternity. And the Bible says that every soul that lives will live in one or two places for all eternity. There's a place called heaven, and there's a place called hell. That word that Jesus is speaking to when he says perish, he's talking about perishing in hell. The Bible says in Revelation, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You say, is that something that you just believe? It's something that Jesus teaches us through his word. The Bible tells us that we have to be prepared, that we need to know for ourselves what's going to happen when we die. The great thing is, is we don't have to guess about it. God told us. God instructed us. God told us what happens. Hey, God created us, did he not? He made us. I know that the world would teach us differently. I know that it would like to tell us that you happened by accident. But can I tell you something? You didn't happen by accident. Even if somebody told you you did. Even if somebody's been telling you that your whole life. Even if somebody's been telling you you have no reason, you have no purpose, uh, you're just an accident, you're just some cosmic mistake. The truth is, is that you are no accident because life is no accident. Order and design doesn't happen by accident. Somebody has to design it. Somebody has to make it. Life doesn't happen on its own. Even in, we understand that as life is reproduced in this world, that it doesn't happen by itself. And God has taught us that in His Word, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Hey, God created us. And there's something particular that He created us for. He didn't make us like the angels. He didn't make us like uh, 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 the, the animals that are in this world. Can I help you with something? You're not an animal. You didn't come from an animal. You never were an animal. You're not supposed to be an animal. And even though sometimes we act like it, we're not supposed to act like animals. The truth is, is God made us human beings. God made us a living soul, that we are eternal beings that God has created us to be. And He created a place called heaven uh, that He wants us to dwell with Him in. But there's also a place called hell. The Bible says that he prepared for the devil and his angels. But also all those that reject him. Also all those that walk away from him. Also all those that don't want the gift that he freely offers to all that will call upon him. Can I tell you something tonight and how I know God can save my soul? Because God promises to do it. God promises to do it. It's an old promise. In the beginning when God made man in his image in the book of Genesis, man sinned. the truth is tonight, we're all sinners, aren't we? I'm the pastor, but I'm a sinner. Let me tell you that. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. We're not here to play games. Sometimes we put on our Sunday best and we try to act uh, like we're sinlessly perfect. Here's the truth. We're not here to hide behind masks and false facades. I'm thankful for what God's done in my life and for how he's changed my life. But I know at best I'm a sinner saved by grace. There's nothing in my flesh that's good except for God. You know, if God's using me for good, that's to His glory. That's what He's done. That's His work. But if I, had it to, if I had it apart from Him, without God, I'd be nothing. The Bible says I'm a sinner, saved by His grace. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we're a liar, and the truth is not in us. You know, I've actually had a conversation with somebody and said, Hey, are you a sinner? They say, I've never sinned in all my life. I say, you just did. You're a li- you just lied to me. Come on, nobody had to teach you to lie, cheat, and steal. You just did that naturally. If you have kids, you know that's the truth. You ever keep te- teach your little, little one to lie? You have to teach them to dis- misbehave, to disobey? You don't have to teach them that. They just came out knowing how to do that kind of stuff. What's the first thing they said to you? No. You know, we know that that's in us to rebel, to say no, to disobey. It's in all of us. It's, we're born that way. God says that wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But the truth is that God has promised to save. It's an old promise that He made uh, to us, but it's still an ongoing promise. Well, God's promise is older than the world and even older than mankind. It has uh, the power of the Almighty behind it. The promise is valid today as it has ever been. The promise is never and will never lose its great power. God is saving And uh, God, nothing will ever change that truth. God tells us that. It's an ongoing promise, it's an open promise. God's promise of salvation is not limited to a select few, but it's a promise that's offered to all men. So the Bible says, For whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, it's not an exclusive club. God didn't save me because I became good, or I turned over a new leaf, or I broke my bad habits, and I started uh, doing good things where I was doing bad things. You know, the Bible says, God, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait till I started behaving well to love me. He loved me while I was a sinner. He loved me while I didn't love Him. He loved me while I was in disobedience and rebellion. While my life was in rejection and rebellion towards Him, He still loved me. Some of you guys, uh, you've been here and you've been in the uh, basketball court and got to play. I had the uh, unique privilege of being here in the church when there was no basketball court, uh, when there was no uh, building that's been uh, back here that we see it tonight. I remember being a young boy and coming here, it was just that log cabin building that you see There was the only building that was here on the property. And I remember coming uh, to a summer camp that the church had, they were using the building, they were... Uh, using the building to bring kids in and have a summer camp, and we'd come back here and play in the woods and all those things. And I remember uh, one summer, uh, one of the missionaries that came in on Missionary Week, and uh, here's interesting, because I'm given this detail, I wasn't even thinking about it, but the guy who directed the camp just happens to be here today. Mr. Croy was the director of New Life Bible Camp. and While I was eight years old, uh, I was there for New Life Bible Camp during Missionary Week, And somebody got up. I don't even know the name of the missionary. I really don't. But I remember the message that he gave. I remember that he preached from John 3.16 and said that if I died in my sin, without God, I'd go to hell. And I remember being on the right side, coming forward. He leaned over. There was a big log uh, altar there. And he, through the Bible, showed me how I could be saved. And I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved. That was up there in that building. I remember uh, our pastor uh, saying uh, to us, Hey, hey, listen, there'll be, a, there'll be a, a building out here one day. There'll be a basketball court out here one day for the kids so they can come and they can play. And we want to see that thing uh, built to the glory of God. And back then it was just woods. There's nothing back here, just woods. We had a little uh, concrete slab in the back and one of those hoops back there that you go back and shoot at recess time. We'd go out and play in the dirt and shoot baskets in that corner, some of you are here for that. And I remember him telling our church there's going to be a basketball court, a basketball court. You know I'm thankful that he's faithful to God and that through the sacrifice and giving of God's people, today we sit in a building that wasn't here to the glory of God that was built by and large by the people that are here in the church and completely paid for by the people that were here in the church. You know, we are getting to benefit from someone else's sacrifice, aren't we? Isn't that Interesting. Aren't we always benefactors of someone else's sacrifice? But sometimes we take that for granted, don't we? You know, I remember just three years ago and, uh, that uh, we got to dedicate that uh, gymnasium to uh, Pastor Siebold and his wife. But I remember uh, all the work, nearly $100,000, had to go into finishing that gymnasium so that it is as it is tonight. I'm thankful it's a beautiful place to play basketball, enjoy it, thankful for it. But you know what? Somebody gave from our church. Gave so that we could complete that and finish that. You know, we get to enjoy that because somebody else sacrificed. Here's the truth tonight. Salvation is a benefit. It's a gift based on someone else's sacrifice. Jesus is the one who gave so that you could receive. Jesus is the one who gave so that you could enjoy. See, salvation is not free. It's just free to us. Salvation isn't free, it costs Jesus his life. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Jews understood this as John the Baptist pointed to Jesus as he walked along the Jordan River. You know what? Uh, John the Baptist said, Look, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world. They called him a lamb because the Jews would sacrifice lambs at Passover. And Jesus was that picture, that sacrifice. You know, Jesus is the only one that could take a cross, which, by the way, was a Roman tool of torture. And now, today, what is it? It's a symbol of hope. People don't wear a cross around their neck because it's a symbol of torture. They wear it around their neck because it's a symbol of hope. Who changed the cross? Jesus did. Jesus shed His blood on the cross so that you and I could have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I said tonight that uh, God has promised to save. Number two, God has power to save. God has power to save you. With me tonight, we're just going to be a couple more minutes, but just give me your attention for a few moments. God has power to save. You know, we know that the Lord has promised to save those who receive His plan of salvation, but we need to know that He has power to do that. He has the power to call the sinner. The Bible says nobody can be saved because they feel like it. Nobody could save themselves. It only could happen through the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ that God would call. The Bible says now that He's calling all men in all the world to repent. That God would that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you thankful that salvation is free because of Christ's sacrifice, but that God wants to save you? God wants to save you. You know, I I can't save you, our church can't save you, there's nothing I can do. Jesus Christ is the one who, who did it all. He's the one that sacrificed it all. I'm just a messenger here to tell you that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you. God has power to save, He has power to call the sinner, He has power to convert the sinner. You know, when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, all sin is immediately and completely forgiven. Did you get that? all sin is immediately and completely forgiven. You know, I don't forgive like that. You don't forgive like that. But God does. God forgives like that. I wish I could forgive like that. How about you? You know, some people wrong me. I try to forgive them. Sometimes I can. I get hurt and I sometimes I hold a grudge. How about you? But God doesn't hold a grudge. God is not keeping record of your sin. The Bible says He's put your sin as far as the east is from the west and He's remembered it no more. The Bible says He's cleansed us from all of our sin. You know, when someone comes to Christ, that He saves us immediately. He washes us of our sin. He saves us completely. He saves us from every sin. Think about this tonight. God has saved you and has forgiven you for the sins you have yet to commit. Wow. What kind of forgiveness is that? That God would extend a forgiveness to me before I sinned against Him. Before I hurt Him. You know, sometimes we have a hard time with forgiving people after. But He forgave us before. He forgave us before we even did it. All sin is immediately and completely forgiven. The sinner becomes immediately a child of God. Let me tell you this tonight. I don't know what kind of parents you had on this earth. Maybe they failed you. Maybe they weren't so good. Or maybe you were blessed and you had a good mom and dad. Or maybe you had one or the other. But let me tell you this tonight. He's a good father. God is a good father. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never is not there for us. He, he's never not there to provide and to meet our needs to fulfill His responsibility. God is always there. He will always be there. Hey, listen, even when you haven't... Maybe today you went through your whole day and you didn't even think about God. But can I tell you this? He thought about you. There's not been a day that you've been alive that you've not been on God's mind. You might not have thought about God, but He's thinking of you tonight. You know, He knows your name tonight. He knows where, knows where you're from. He knows everything about you. I don't know you very well, but God does. God knows you. The Bible says even the hairs on your head are numbered. If you're like me, that gets less and less every day, doesn't it? But He still knows us. He knows us. And the uh, the sinner becomes a child of God. We become His child. We have a father, a good father. The sinner, sinner is delivered from sin, delivered from the power of sin. That's a wonderful thing because, you know, some people just can't stop doing stuff. Oh, they say they're sorry, they try to turn over a new leaf, but they just keep going at it again. You ever try to quit something you know you should quit, but you just can't? Let me tell you this. The key to breaking the power of that sin in your life is in Christ. It's not in you. It's not in trying harder. It's not in becoming better. It's not in more books. It's not in more psychology. It's not, it's, it's not in seeing more counselors. It's in Christ. Christ's ability to break the power of all sin. you struggle with sin tonight. You're struggling with repeating that same process over and over again. Oh, you know it's going to hurt somebody, and you know it eventually hurts you. But for the short amount of pleasure you derive from it, you just can't quit it, can you? But God can help you quit it. God can break its power. God can break its penalty. Boy, you do the crime, you have to what? Do the time. The consequence of sin. Aren't there consequences even... Even physics teaches us, science teaches us, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Here's the truth. Not so with the gospel. There should be a consequence, but the Lord took your consequence for you. The wages of sin, the payment for sin, the consequence of sin, the Bible says is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me tell you something. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner, but this is what God did. He said, I'll take your consequence... I'll take your penalty, and I'll give you life. I'll give you my life, and I'll take your death. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21, He was made to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God through Him. You know what God did? Jesus left heaven. He took on the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men, and He humbled Himself and became obedient to death. The Bible says even the death of the cross. And here's the truth tonight, your sin he placed on himself, his righteousness he offers to you. Is that a fair deal? He didn't ask for fairness, he just said I'm going to be gracious, I'm going to be merciful, I'm going to show love because uh, God so loved the world, the power of sin, the penalty of sin, the presence of sin, you know God can remove that from your life. The sinner becomes a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Get this, it gets better. Not only do you become a child of God, but you become an heir of all of his wealth. Everything that belongs to God belongs to his children. Think about that tonight. Why are we stressing over all this stuff in the world, this rat race, all the things the world's going hard after? And in the end, guess what? They take none of it with them. You know, the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his own soul? People are selling their souls to the devil cheap. For a little popularity, a little fame, a couple accolades, some trophies, and some applause, a walk down a red carpet, and maybe some recognition, hey, they'll do anything for that kind of acceptance. They'll sell their soul for it. But what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or well, what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Let me tell you, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become an, a joint heir, an heir of the inheritance of the reward that He offers to us freely. The sinner becomes a joint heir with Christ. The sinner inherits a heavenly home. The sinner becomes a saint. I tell you tonight, I don't feel like a saint, but I'm glad that God calls me one. I'm glad that it doesn't matter about how I feel. It matters what he says. It doesn't matter what I see. It matters what he sees. It doesn't matter how I feel about the situation. It matters that he declares, hey, we're not perfect, but we're forgiven, aren't we? God's forgiven us. Boy, you know, that doesn't give me a license to go out and live how I want. That does the opposite, doesn't it? If somebody loved me that much, I don't want to hurt them. I want to live for them. I want to serve them. He has the power to keep the saint. I said, number one, that God promises to save. Number two, God has power to save. And then lastly tonight, God has provision to save. He's able to do it. He provided a substitute in Jesus. When man sinned in the garden, man fell under the curse of God. For a man to be redeemed, a man had to die. You know why God became a man? So that man could spend eternity with God. Jesus is God the flesh. He became a man so that we could live with God. So that we could know God. You know the translation of God to us we would never understand God. We would never know God. God translated himself to us on Sunday morning we have somebody that sits in the back and this morning people had some devices in they were being translated. The message was being translated into their language so they could understand it. You know how God made himself understandable to us? Jesus, he said, let me show you how much I love you. Let me show you my plan for you. Jesus Christ is a translation of God to us. It's how he helped us to understand and how he helps us to know him. And he became the substitute for us. He became the sacrifice for us. And he is tonight, and of a truth, verily, verily, he is the only way to be saved. He's the only way. I know that it's not politically correct to say that. I know that it's not all-inclusive to all religions. I'm not upset with people that believe otherwise. They can believe as they want. I'm thankful we have the freedom to do that. But let me say this tonight. It doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. There's not many ways to God And there's not many gods, and not all gods are the same God. That's a lie. That's a lie, plain and simple. The truth is, there's only one God. There's only one way to salvation, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that. It tells us that. Not all roads lead to the same direction. You had to take some very specific routes to get to this place. You can't just go the way you want to go and end up where you want to go you got to take the right way. Anybody get turned around? Anybody like me, you drive by the driveway because you missed it? Here's the truth tonight. Well, that's funny, and you might have missed that. Don't miss heaven tonight. Don't miss heaven. Because that's a real thing. You can miss it. You try to go another way, you reject the way that he offered Let me me tell you the truth. Just like as an eight year old boy, I didn't know better than God. I don't care how old you are and how much you know, you don't know better than God. God is the way. Jesus Christ is the way. Let me tell you this, just make it plain. He said, Whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The book of Romans in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, tells us exactly how that goes. How do I believe? How can I be saved? He told me he saved me. Now, how can I make that practical? How can I do that? Well, the Bible says this. You can put your name in this verse. It says that if thou, whatever your name is, you can put your name there. My name is Chris. That if Chris shall confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead, he can be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What the mouth says is what's in the heart. Here's the truth tonight. God says if you'll confess Jesus, you'll say, I know I'm a sinner. I believe what the Bible says. I believe the truth of God's word. I don't want you to believe. The reason why I told you to open the Bible, the reason why we stood, and the reason why the Bible was even up there in case you didn't have one, is because I don't want you to take me at my word. I'm just a man. But I do want you to take God at His word. Because at the end of the day, God's word is the only one that matters. Let God be true and every man a liar. And uh, I want you to take God at His word tonight. You know, if there's never been a time in your life, I told you when I was eight years old, somebody preached a message much like this one and told me how I could be saved. And I decided that day to confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that He died, was buried, and rose again, that He was God in the flesh, that He came to this earth, that He took my place, that because I was a sinner, I was condemned and on my way to hell, a crisis eternity but I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, from this day to that day, I've made a lot of mistakes, but He's never left me. He's still my Father today, just like He was that day. And He can be yours too. If there's never been a time, if you can't go back to that time when you were 8, that time when you were 10, that time when you were whatever age you were, if you can't go back to that time and say, there was a time in my life where I did what the Bible says, not that you had some kind of wild experience, not that you almost crashed the car and you, know, you nearly escaped death. I'm talking about there was a time in your life that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you confessed Jesus with your mouth, that you confessed that you were a sinner. If, you, if, that, if that's escaping you tonight, and if you were to drive out of this place and God forbid have an accident and be gone, hey, people die of all ages, don't they? It's appointed unto man once to die. Tonight could be that night for you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just being real. If you were to die right now, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Or do you have some doubts? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.